All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome into the Bounce by Slab Talk with me, your host Amil Sarfani, and I got my man in the house, Rob Gerard, uh, sports car therapist on Instagram. You can follow us. Our social media tags are at Sports Car Therapist at the Slab Talk, uh, and this is our sports card show. <laughs> All right. What's up, Rob? Thank you so much for for joining tonight. I really appreciate it. I'm excited for our third episode of The Bounce. This has been a really fun collaboration. We were getting a lot of positive feedback. So for everyone out there who's been listening uh, and has has, uh, DM'd and and, and showed us some love, really appreciate you uh, for all of you who are tuning in for the first time. I think you're going to get a really fun uh, podcast with me and Rob. We like to dig deep into our sports card hobby. We're going to talk processes. We're going to have some fun. Rob, how are you doing tonight? I'm Mel. I'm Mel. What's going on, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm happy to be here. Um, the bounce, you know, I know you just celebrated your one year anniversary. So I want to get that out of the way and say happy one year anniversary, man. That first year is the hardest. If you can get through it, man, it's all smooth sailing from here. Oh, I appreciate that, man. It is a it it was our one year anniversary. You know, this weekend was actually also uh, my cousin's wedding as well. So he actually called me a year when he engaged when he got engaged, uh, and when they were looking at venues, and he said, "Hey, man, is it okay if me and my wife have the same anniversary as you and your wife? Like, do you does that does that bother?" And this is, by the way, for anybody who's like followed me from the beginning, like OG Sarfa Sports Cards. Donish was is like my sports cards buddy. We got into the hobby together. Uh, we were going to shows together. We were buying and, and talking cards all the time. His his Instagram is DC Cards, if anybody remembers. But uh, uh, he got married this weekend, so a lot of my one year anniversary was was definitely thinking about and, and celebrating his wedding. And Indian weddings are like three day affairs, and so um, it's it was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, had a good time with that. And then yesterday, my wife and I uh, had some wing stops to celebrate. I'm a big wing stop fan. Mm. Uh, went out and grabbed some drinks with my cousins and and, and some of my family and uh, celebrated our one year. So it was good, man. How about you? How have you been this weekend? Doing well, man. You know, uh, had a show two days ago on uh uh in enfield connecticut had a great show um that's that's actually my one spot where i have a monthly table at and and i don't like having a monthly table any more than that because i want to have a little bit of versatility to be able to pick up shows along the way as i want to you know um without having to have a spot at one show so the show went well you know it was kind of a slower show i did okay sold some stuff moved some stuff bought some stuff but right at the end right as i was packing up my stuff um i had gone there's a guy a few tables down they call him uh uh vent oh, what i forget his first name but it's like vintage joe basically he, his first name is vintage and uh and he's always got some amazing heat so if he is there like what i've been trying to do is once a month i try to get at least one card from him if i can so um so you know i always give him his time and uh and and as i'm packing up literally my stuff was getting boxed up he came over to me he's like all right what are we gonna do here and uh and we ended up making a deal and nice. i ended up picking up this card 
and ended up picking up one of the most iconic basketball cards oh. of all time. That is the Magic Johnson, Dr. J, Larry Bird rookie. Uh, it's, you know, the scoring. It's the scoring card, you know, the triple 1980, right? Well, yep, 1980. Yep, 1980-81 tops and uh, scoring leaders card. And it is a Beckett 7.5. And let me tell you something. I know you are a big price guy, right? So you have card ladder there, right? I do. Okay. So I want you to look up this card in a Beckett 7.5. So you are going to look up the 1980 tops, Larry Bird, Dr. J and Magic Johnson, 7.5 Beckett. 7.5 Beckett. I'm pulling it up. All right. I'm going to share my screen really quickly. Here we go. Okay. Right. So he is sharing the screen right now. It is showing a value of 1420. That's it. 1420. Now we're not even going to get into the all time high and stuff because we all know that card was through. That was one of the, those iconic cards that was through the roof. I felt like that card was being talked about as much as the Honus Wagner was at national. I felt like that card was just like, everyone was talking about it anyway. So $1,420 right now. I want you to look up the value on a PSA eight. There we go. 5,600. Can you believe that the value of a BGS seven, five compared to a PSA eight is what three X four X. So are you telling me that that's all the motivation I need to try to do a crossover? The crossover is an interesting strategy when it comes to this. Do I think that the PSA 8 should be that much more than the BG, the, the BVG 7.5 or the BGS, the Beckett slab of the 7.5? Honestly, yeah, this is a highly traded card. There's a lot of cards. There's a lot of population. So you do have to look at that as a piece of the pie. Now, if you tell me you're going to buy this card and try to cross it over, I think that's an interesting strategy. Um, so... I am going to definitely be following you along that one because I think that's interesting. Are you going to actually, you're going to, you're going to crack it and, and, and resend it. Are you going to cross it over? Listen, no, listen, am I going to crack it and resend it? I think I'm going to, and I'm not someone that really ever does that. I really don't. But the longer I stay in this hobby and the more big wigs that I talk to, and what I mean by big wigs are like these, these high end Instagram accounts, you know, these guys that like are, are having story sales every other day and all their cards are four and five figure cards. They don't have any three figure cards. And every single guy I talk to is like, I crack cards constantly. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah, they yeah. say. They're like, I am always cracking cards, and most of the time it works for me. Now, obviously, there's sometimes where it doesn't, and there's always that risk factor. There's got to be that risk factor, or else everyone would do it. But when you talk to some of these guys that have these big cards, that's what they say. And when I saw the difference between, you know, the old Beckett BVG 7.5 and a PSA 8 being 4X. Yeah, I, I think I would probably risk it and, and 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 give it a shot, you know, because this card too is absolutely one of the most liquid cards 
in sports cards existence. I mean, oh yeah, that scoring know. card is awesome. Yeah, very high demand for that card. A lot of people know that card. It's the card that also for a lot of the cards that were printed of this version were also torn up because they're the perforated cards. Oh yeah, for a lot of a lot of the a lot of people who who initially had this who got this card in the in the pack would tear it up. Um, and so for anybody who kept them in their try, you know, whatever card form, uh, they're a lot more valuable now and they're cool cards, you know? Uh, so I, I think, I think it's a great play. I think it's really interesting and it's a great segue into what this show is, is about today, which is we want to talk about our decision-making process when it comes to buying cards, either raw versus graded. And then if we're going to buy graded, how do we decide what grade we're going to get? How do we decide that with which card that we're buying as part of that process as well? Because it's highly dependent on the particular card we're buying. So what types of cards are we buying at lower grades? That whole discussion we're going to have on the show, I'm really excited for it. I think it's a really good one. So um, there's a lot of meat on this bone. It's going to be a lot of process-oriented, but that's what this is about is getting into how you think about it. And let's be honest, we can do an entire series on yeah. grading cards, right, and, and grading companies and whatnot. And and like you and I were talking before, I think we're definitely going to have this be a multi-episode kind of thing where maybe a couple of weeks from now, you know, we, we do a part two, a week, couple weeks after that, we do a part three. But either way, there's going to be, we know that there's no way in a single episode to cover the entirety of this. And we're not going to talk so much about the history of grading. We're going to talk about modern day and modern day. This entire hobby is built on graded cards. Yeah. And there are so many decisions to be made here and there's a ton of nuance to this. So the first episode of this, what will, what will be a multi-episode series, we're going to start really high level. Um, Cause I want to hear from the very, very top, like how do you decide what types of cards are you buying raw Versus what types are you even, what cards, what types of cards are you buying graded? Yeah. And, and I, I already know that you and I are on completely different ends of the spectrum with this. Um, for me, the only card that I will buy raw is a low end card. I am not buying any high end at all great or raw. And I'll tell you why, because when it comes to buying low end raw what i've been able to do is i've been able to buy a lot of low-end raw and submit a lot of it for grading right and and you submit it for grading and and regardless we all know psa prices and and back prices they were through the roof and then eventually shut down so really that kind of left us with a handful of other companies right and and the few probably the top three were going to be um sgc hga and CSG. CSG is probably not even making the conversation though. So really it was SGC and HGA. So what I was doing was I was just sending in a ton of my low end raw to SGC. And that was helping me build up my inventory to start selling small, selling low and moving into mid end cards. And I would never buy a high-end card raw. To me, that is just way too risky. I can lose my shirt in that, and I don't ever want to lose my shirt. Uh, Amil, you've never seen me with a shirt on, okay? You don't shirt want to off. see me without I've a shirt on. Shirt on all the exactly. Time. You've never <laughs> seen me with a shirt off. I don't want to lose my shirt when it comes to grading. So, 
definitely i'm never gonna buy high-end raw raw please keep your shirt on i will uh <laughs> for, for this segment uh w- maybe one episode one day one day yes. we will uh we'll get a little risque on the show but so so i came into the hobby only buying graded and, and 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 my kind of lens of it was kind of what you were talking about is when i first got in in february of 2020 got back in in february of 2020 a lot of people were buying raw to send in and it was cheap to buy raw it was cheap to buy raw and it was cheap to send in and the formula was like buy a five to ten dollar card spend fifteen dollars on grading and then you get your psa 10 back because they were giving them out like candies at the time and you now have a, a card that's worth like 80 to $100. And that math really worked. And it caused a ton of people to say, cool, this is the easiest way to ever make money. I'm just going to go buy as many raw cards, especially of cards that were easy to get at the time, which were like Prism Base and stuff. And they flooded these, these, these grading companies. And that's where we are today, right? It's like buying raw and grading today is an entirely different ball game than buying raw and grading even just eight months ago, a year ago, before the shutdown really happened with PSA and BGS. So it is an entirely different game, and you do have to think about it very differently. Weirdly enough, I came in saying, I'm seeing everybody send in a ton of stuff to grading. I can already tell it's going to get crazy backlogging. Timing at the time was already like people were already starting to complain about it. Oh, it's taking me two months to get my cards back. Oh, now it's taking me five months to get my cards back. And all of a sudden you're hearing people say, oh, it's taking me a full 12 months to get my cards back. And at that point, I don't care what market you're playing in. I'm just not willing to tie up my money in order to get my car and in, in order to know what's going to happen a year from now. It just Especially really when it comes to sports, players are so up and down. Unless you are named Curry, LeBron, Durant, Mahomes, or Brady, you never know. You could be hot for a quarter of a season if that and then no one ever hears from you again. I mean, there's just people now getting their Tyler Hero cards back from the bubble. <laughs> and and lucky for some of the and which by the way, it, this is a side note here. It just freaking really irritates me when I see people trying to pump Tyler Hero like crazy. I see people trying to like, oh, Tyler Hero last night, 22 points off the bench, buy him now. And it's like I wish I could just copy and paste the response to everyone I see. It's like, listen, we all know you probably went all in on Tyler Hero (laughs) 16 months ago, and you're trying to sell your Tyler Hero cards, okay? But you sound foolish right now. Just stop. Do you want to hear something that really sucks? I was one of those people that bought a little high on Tyler Hero. Now, I did cut bait as soon as I, 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 I could and just moved on because I was like, yep, that's a mistake. Got caught up in the pump. And uh, I'm good. Like, let's uh, let's move on because I don't think that this guy is really going to be back where he was. And even if he is a good player, which I do think Tyler Hero is a good player, but you're right. Collectability wise, it's it's much harder. It's a much harder argument to be buying Tyler Hero cards. Listen, side side note, how many of those Michael Jordan 1985 promos do you have? Do you have like a Uh, closet full of them? No, no, no. I just have the I have the one PSA ten and the one PSA nine. Oh my god. When I, I saw you, my PSA nine because I when have I saw PSA you put 10. up that nine for sale, I was like, Do I want to buy this thing? I think I want I think I want to buy this from Omel. I'll give I'm you like, good oh my god. <laughs> and, you know, because I saw you had posted the ten not long ago, which I fell in love with. Then I saw yeah. the nine, which I fell in love with. I'm sitting over here with a four rubbing two sticks together. You're over there with Zippo. 
<laughs> and a little bit of lighter fluid. Look, I do have I do have some cards, and if someone's looking for a card, go to my story. I'm I'm selling some cards right now, uh, and I want to open up cash to go after some big boys. But uh, but uh, back to what I was saying is like yeah. I I was buying mostly graded, and I loved it because I could, I had it in hand, and I could immediately flip it two weeks later if I wanted to, and it gave me a ton of flexibility, and I was okay with. Not, you know, when grading cards, it was like your, 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 your returns were crazy. Now you had to get a certain percent of PSA tens to make that work. And a lot of times people were averaging, again, don't take my word for this. This is just from anecdotal kind of evidence here. We're averaging somewhere between 50 and 60% gem rates, which is nice. I mean, you do the math on that and the, and the profit margin on the PSA 10 versus buying raw grading for $15 and selling it. You feel good about that. That's a good way to build up. A, 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 a bucket of capital that you can then go and potentially buy cars that you're going to hold for much longer, right? Like well, that's a and you got to figure that. even even your PSA eights. If you're grading for like fifteen dollars a piece, your PSA eights you're at least making your money back on. Right, right. So that's what it was. I, I now with grading fees where they are, I think it is different. However, I have actually backtracked and I'm buying more raw today than I did when I first started. And what I'm buying raw on is. Cards that are so so more modern high end cards. So if I'm gonna go after some of my really like risky prospects, I've kind of turned my eyes to one buying a card that's really high end. You know, we talked about it last episode, like that Cam Reddish flawless RPA number to ten. Beautiful right? card, by the way. Yeah, risky player though. It's Cam Reddish. Who who the hell knows happens with Cam Reddish three years from now? But the point being is, if I'm gonna take the risk on a player like that, I might as well shoot for the stars, get a really, really awesome card, send it into grading potentially, and then hopefully build in value even that way so that even if I did want to sell it and the card came back a really nice grade because it's a modern card, I feel like the condition of it, there's a higher likelihood that it's in good condition. Um, and that to me feels like an interesting way of going about buying raw. Now, there, I do think there is a price point now if you're going to buy raw if you're trying to send in for grading right now. So some people's strategies to buy raw right now, wait till PSA and BGS open back up and then send it into grading when that happens at lower price points, whether that's $75 a card versus the 150 at PSA it is right now. So PSA is charging $150 per card. To me, that means that if you're buying a raw card today to send in for grading, it has to be more than like six to $700 for the raw card. That's the only way it makes sense. And for the PSA 10 to be like an $1,800 to, to $2,000 card, right? Then it makes sense for me to spend the 150 in grading. Now it's a lot of money, but I'm okay with that if I think it's a really high-end card that I'm building value into. And, and you know what? You're actually making my argument for me for why I would never buy a high-end card raw. You know, I, I really wouldn't. I would not buy a high-end card raw. Now, I, because if I... And banking on that thing coming back at 10 and I'm spending that much money on a card, you know, and, and it doesn't come back at 10 or even a nine, you know, I actually bought two Tom Brady rookies. I'm like haunted and traumatized by this experience. I bought two Tom Brady rookies raw Bowman. So they were the paper version. They weren't Chrome. Um, so I bought, I feel like I bought so many Bowman Tom Brady rookies in the last six months. It makes my head spin, but I bought two of the paper versions raw from a card store owner at trade night. 
right? Okay. Um, this was probably about three months ago. And I looked at them with my own eye. I'm like, these things look great. The, this These will come back a nine, an eight or a nine. There's no way it doesn't come back an eight or a nine. So I got both of them, grabbed both of them. I thought I was getting a deal. I kind of was. Um, and sent them out to PSA Express, 150 each after taxes and shipping. It ends up coming out to like 180 each, though. So mm-hmm. I'm spending 360 on just grading. You know what they came back? A Tell four me. and a seven. Okay, that sucks. A four and a <laughs> seven. Okay, but, but Rob, I don't buy. Like you're talking about a card that was printed in 2000, so slightly different. Like I don't buy older cards raw. I'm not trying to buy older cards raw unless it's like a PC card and I, I don't I'm not like trying to to necessarily make it an investment piece or whatever. But older cards to buy to grade to sell, I'm not buying raw. So I'm not buying any 2000 Brady. Now, what I am buying are cards that are more modern, so I know that the condition might be a little bit better than a, a card printed in 2000. I'm buying uh a sealed raw cards like the Panini 1 and 1 set. I love that set. Again, high-end set. They're not cheap. Um, and I also bought like I bought this. This is a Steph Curry, Don Russ, Net Marvels. This is the press proof. Ooh. So it's the gold version of the Don Russ wow. Net Marvels. But I bought this raw. I, again, I don't really buy raw cards all that much, but I was like, okay, there's not that many of this card. I love the Net Marvel set. I'm a sucker for like the design. I think they're really cool cards. How big uh, is that card? Is that an oversized card or is that a regular no, size no, no. card? This is a regular size card. It's just well, an you must have really card. small hands then because that, that card hey, Rob, looks that's like... something I'm insecure about. <laughs> that card looks massive in your little hand. <laughs> oh, Rob. That's messed up, bro. No, I'm kidding. I think it's I think it's because <laughs> regular size cards and my hands it so are regular to the size, camera. Rob. My hands are regular size hands. Okay. Uh Back no, to Don that's Russ, a be- Listen, Marvel. that's a beautiful card, though. Yeah, so that's an example of a card I'll buy raw. So so that's kind of the stuff that I'm buying raw. I bought some of my Panini one and one stuff raw. Uh, you're such a turd. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's 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 the that's the that's the cards I buy raw. Yeah, and you know, it's so funny how much opposites we are because the only cards that I I think buy raw for the most part um, w- without being literally sight unseen in person, me fully inspecting it is vintage. That's the only thing That's that so I want to me because so that, that thing... is really high to me. So in that case, like I'm a graded only, like I'd rather spend more money to know that this is a really high grade of an awesome card. Like I'm not buying those cards raw. And to me, so when I talk about vintage, right, like like part of what I actually had to move to get this, this, uh, you know, my Larry Bird, Dr. J magic card, this guy really, really kind of took it to me. Now, don't get me wrong. It was like a low end vintage was low grade vintage. So but he took a couple Mickey Mantles from me, took a couple Jackie Robinsons from me that I really wasn't into it for much because I bought raw. And then sent the SGC to be graded. And then by the time I got them back, a lot of those vintage cards, just having it authenticated is is just like triples the value. You know what I mean? So so for me, I already know people are not expecting high grades when it comes to vintage. So they just want to know it's authenticated. It's legit. Um, so so yeah, so I'll buy vintage raw all day. Half my 
half of my eBay search history is like raw vintage and then modern graded. Whereas for you, it sounds like the complete opposite. Yeah, it feels like the complete opposite. Because for my vintage stuff, for my older stuff, which my older stuff when I'm buying are like my Michael Jordan cards, my inserts, my 90s inserts. If I'm buying that stuff, if I'm buying Tim Duncan stuff. Um, yeah, I want it graded because I want to know. It's, I'd rather play the hold that card for a certain amount of time game then take the risk on it being a low grade because I know having it in a high grade, like I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, uh, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you an example. This is my 1995 Michael Jordan warp speed. And I bought this in a PSA 10 and then I got it graded by NBA gold diamond. That is um, beautiful. Oh, I love this card, bro. And, and it's, it's a really cool nineties insert, not a super well-known insert. I don't think it's not, it's the stadium club. It's a warp speed. It's a cool looking card. To me, it's a great looking card. Um, but that's one that I know there's only 47 of in a PSA 10. And that's a very like less is more type of buy for me. Like buy the best of the best you can buy. And you could, it's okay if you don't, if, if it, if it doesn't allow you to buy through the other three cards you wanted, but to have that one in a really high grade to me is like, Cool. That's like a piece of my collection that I don't have to worry about again. If I wanted to keep that card forever, like I feel very good about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and I know you've mentioned this before, but that this is, listen, I'm going to take us down so many side roads. It's so hard to stay on track if I'm involved in the conversation, but this, that Jordan insert, your Jordan insert game needs to be on point. If you're really trying to dive into that thing, because there are so many Jordan cards that I feel like I probably haven't even seen yet. There's so many. Different, oh yeah. Oh my so God. Yeah unbelievable right so people including myself i think of like most jordan cards as not being worth much because it was a junk wax era you know but when you start looking at you know take the 86 fleer and the star cards out of this conversation yeah once you start looking at you know the regular base stuff i mean an nba hoops you know a fleer ultra that's all what five dollar cards ten dollar cards but you start talking about these inserts you're talking four or five figures Michael Jordan's market in a lot of ways is the 90s inserts. It's the it's the it's the market that Jordan collectors like that's their market. I feel like if you're a Jordan collector like you're a 90s inserts guy. Like that's awesome. Like I love that. There's so much nuance to that. It makes the market tougher. Like you have to you have to be more patient with it because you're waiting for demand especially newer collectors to find those cards and they're hard cards to find. Um, you have to do a lot of research on Jordan inserts to really be good at Jordan inserts. I don't even consider myself very good at Jordan inserts. I'm learning it. It's something that I'm trying to get into, um, but I, tr I'm starting to get into them by buying a few that I really like. I have the scoring Kings as well in a PSA nine. Mm. Like those are some inserts I really like. And, and there's some other ones that I like, but it's also my conduit into some of the late nineties inserts, which is Tim Duncan stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of like meat on that for me. So I, that's what excites me. You know, when it comes to like pillars of a collection or collectible pieces, like for me, that's where my mind goes, you know? Yeah. So Amil, so when it comes to grading, do you stay away from certain companies? Like I know when I'm making deals with people, right? Whether if it's through trades or selling, there are some people that are like, you know what? 
PSA or Beckett only. I won't even look at SGC. I don't care if I'm in love with the card. It's almost like they don't even see the card. It's almost like they're looking at the grading company, which is like bizarre to me because when it comes to PSA and Beckett, you're looking at the card. And don't get me wrong. I know you're looking at the grade and the company too, but it's more about the card. But when it comes to anything graded by SGC, there are some people that cannot see past the black and white slab and and sgc in my opinion is clearly the number three grading company so it is what are your and thoughts for vintage, on that? and for vintage sgc is also like fairly highly regarded oh, yeah. uh right for 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 older cards because they, they they've been around for a long time so uh i will be honest with you because most of my buying is with the mindset of eventually i will want to move it i'm a psa beckett person like i just am i i i i I don't really look at SGC cards. They are harder to move. There is a smaller market for them. Um, and for me, the ability to move a card when I want to move it is like a very important factor. I, I want to have ideally the PSA 10 of a card. I, 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 I do put a premium on that. And I do think that premium is not completely un, like it's not completely silly. You know what I'm saying? Like there's some ratios that I'm like, this is a little crazy, but I do think having a PSA 10, there is an extra element to it. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And, and I get that. I do. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. In, in a perfect world. All my stuff would be PSA only, or all my stuff would be Beckett only because both their slabs are incredibly sexy to me. I love yes. the, the new, the new Beckett slabs, especially like the autos, the nine, five tens with like the, the gold metal label. Oh my God. It's unbelievable for autographs. Beckett hands down is the, is the company. Right. And, and if you're I do talking love Beckett about credit cards and, their yeah. slabs are sick. and for autograph cards, I love Beckett. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think for more as more of a collector that I am, I, I really think that I'm open to I, I am open to SGC and I'm even open to HGA to an extent, although I don't own any HGA cards. And I think HGA has gotten a lot of bad press in the last six months. So, and because they're such a new company, whereas SGC has been around for decades, um, you know, I kind of, I tend to go more with SGC, but I have, I have PC cards in SGC slabs. You know, I have some of my Mickey mantles that are in SGC slabs and I love them. I love them. I, I show them off with pride, you know? Yeah. And, um, but you know, I guess it's, that's the collector older me, cards. I think that's, that's fine. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, for the most part, the cards that I'm looking at are 90s i'm not looking at too much vintage stuff like i'm not into a lot of the vintage stuff and for older stuff like i think sgc slabs are fine like your hulk hogan card that you had and you have an sgc4 like that's cool like I, I i think that's fine um but how do you like okay when you when you're trying to resell like you said you 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 bought a ton of cards and you sent them into sgc when you tried to move those cards how was that process for you I would be lying if I said that I didn't think there was a difference, right? When it comes to what people want and what people are buying. But yeah, you know, I think when I'm selling and when I'm going to trade, 
There are, you know, I'll, you know, I have a, a, a handful of high-end accounts that I follow on Instagram and I've worked numerous deals with them and I've been really able to move up into some, you know, four or five figure cards because I have these relationship with some of these high-end accounts and these individuals and, and, and even some of them, they're like, I don't want anything SGC. And I'm like, we're talking about a $10,000 card and the grading company means that much. And they're like, yeah, I, I, you know, I, it won't move as quickly for me. Kind of like what you're saying. Um, but I'm going to ask, this is, this is like the elephant in the room though, when it comes to this is, is that PSA and Beckett were both shut down for right over a year. Uh, the, the cost to even grade a card for a while was $300 with PSA for a single card. So how are people expecting to get 2020 product in a PSA slab? How are people expecting that? I think people who are buying raw 2020 stuff right now are not necessarily like high-end people, high-end cards, high-end raw cards. Call it a lamello ball, like numbered prism card or something. You know, those people who are wait are just going to wait or it's expensive enough of a raw card that you're, you're going to go ahead and get it graded. I also think that there's just going to be different. Like people are not going to necessarily grade as much low end stuff as they did before. I, 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 I don't think that will necessarily be because the premium for the PSA 10 on a card that's way more common is just not going to be as much as it was before or in this like two year boom that we went to. And a lot of them are just going to wait until PSA or Beckett opens back up at lower prices. Um, yeah. Listen, I, I, I'm going to throw this out there. Okay. I think that every year hey, there, the hobby you, takes sorry, on a new thing. Con connection went out for a second. You good? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. So every year the hobby takes on new collectors, takes on new dealers, all this stuff takes on new fans. And for two years, basically with, PSA and Beckett all but being shut down and not accepting any type of, um, you know, bulk orders anyways. Um, I really think that the younger generation is not going to be as snobby about grading companies as, um, these as, as us and as you you know i really do because at the end of the day i think that you know the market has continued to get flooded with sgc and i don't know how long it will take until it does kind of get normalized to almost because you think about when beckett came along and you know and psa i mean these companies were definitely like frowned upon and 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 almost like you know completely ostracized and people didn't believe in them and people blah 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 but eventually they ended up becoming the gold standard i really think that sgc is going to be um i think that a lot of these people that say i don't take sgc cards at some point, and I've even said this to people, at some point, you're going to start. I don't know when it's going to be. It might not be for two years, but at some point, you are going to start being like, you know what? Yeah, I'll take some SGC cards. And, and if you told if, if you told me in four, you know three years that SGC cards were more valuable than Beckett cards, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that people are sending their stuff into grading with SGC. They are increasing the amount of interaction they have with that company. Beckett as a company, to me, has fallen off so much, especially relative to a PSA. So when PSA prices are much higher than Beckett, to me, it makes all the sense in the world. PSA reinvested in their company. They're constantly doing stuff. 
Collector's Universe just bought them. They invested in a new AI technology. They just bought Card Ladder. Big news. You know, like they're doing stuff. That company is doing stuff. Their process is awesome. You submit your card to PSA. It takes you through the steps. It updates you every step it goes. It tells you when it's coming. It tells you what grades you got. And Beckett, you send it into the black hole of Beckett. There's no update. There's no way to get in touch with anybody there. It's miserable. And then you get your card back and you you just get your card back. And you have no idea what's happening or when it's coming. There's really no transparency. Like I think Beckett as a company is doing very poorly and they need to be doing so much more. And there's a ton of low hanging fruit. Yeah. And, and before we move on, definitely want to say shout out to card ladder and Chris, and Josh and Christina, congratulations to you guys. I mean, you guys have just been, you know, you've worked incredible and, and, and the things that you guys have developed and will continue to develop, I'm sure. And the things you guys have done for the hobby is amazing. So shout out to Amil and myself from the courtesy of the balance for sure. Um, but yeah, I think SGC will absolutely be the norm at some point in the future. And I think that, you know, it, it, I mean, I don't know what people think because I've been at card shows, right? I've been standing like, you know, I've never uttered these words to someone because in a way it was kind of, so I've been standing next to a dealer, right? And a guy's like, well, this, this, this card just went for, you know, looking up comps, right? Looking up comps and the, and the, and the dealer standing next to me goes, you know what? If this card was in a PSA slab, it would be $150 more. So that's why it's that price. So if you don't like it, you don't have to buy it kind of thing. And it was like, it's like, I mean, he just kind of said it the way it was, but it's true. Like, you know, SGC, you know, 30 bucks a card. And and when you do, you know, even if you send in bulk or you go through a bulk submission, you can get it down to 25 a card and you're looking at PSA, you know, it's just like, I don't know, you know, the the whole grading thing, I'm really curious to see what Fanatics does because it sounds like Fanatics really wants to be a one-stop shop for everything. They want to like be that. able to, uh, you know, they want to create the card. They want to send it direct to a consumer. They want to be the grading. They want to do everything. And, and in a way, it kind of sounds like a conflict of interest if they're grading their own cards, you know. Yeah. At the same no time, kidding. what does that do to the industry? If they give out nothing but nines and tens, that makes our nines and tens not worth as much. I, 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 you know, so I'm, I'm really curious to know where the hobby is going to go in terms of grading. Um, you know, but you know, before we move on from, it, I just want to say like HGA as much as I think the whole idea is cool of like doing custom labels, you know, and, and being able to like color match and stuff. I've seen some pretty cool color, color matches to me. It just, looks a little cheesy sometimes i'm like yeah. looks kind of cheesy although their slabs are phenomenal like i've held a couple hga it's almost like beckett how they have the nice sturdy thick you couldn't break it if you tried you know um but and then you know i know every grading company goes through their growing pains but you know in today's day and age of social media you hear about hga uh, authenticating multiple counterfeits unbeknownst to them. You know, they didn't realize it, you know, obviously it was a mistake on their part, but they're just authenticating counterfeits and, and it's just, it's just not a good look, you know, and especially because I think arguably they were in that probably that fourth spot. Right. I mean, would you say they were in that fourth spot for a minute? 
Yeah, I guess. I think after SGC, it gets all muddled. And, and, and I really honestly don't think any of those companies come to the top. I think it is a, I think it's a PSA, Beckett, SGC conversation. And I think there's something to be had with the conversation with your idea of SGC becoming a lot more prominent. I think that you're convincing me. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. And with how, with how much of a position that Beckett, I feel like, is losing right now in terms of value, SGC absolutely has the opportunity to be seen as the number two. Now, I do think that when it comes to like PSA graded cards, um, the reason I think that there's a huge premium on PSA 10s is because I think it's a different buyer than the PSA than, than any that than, than people buying lower graded cards, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like those are to me investable grade quality cards. And if we want sports cards to be a huge, actual, sustainable, stable market. It makes sense that there is like investable quality cards. And I do think that PSA 10s are synonymous with that. And so if you're looking at this as a real like, if you are trying to make some money, do this and, and money doing this and, and treat this as assets, there is something to be said with the whole PSA 10 thing, which I do understand. But you're right. There are certain cards that... I want to have, or, 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 you know, I'm fine having in lower grades and kind of moving on to the next piece of this is like, what types of cards are those, you know, like what types of cards are you wanting to buy of lower grades? Um, how do you think about that? I know for you, you're obviously much more open to it anyway. Um, but how do you think about that? Yeah. And, you know, I think when when it comes to the hobby in general, I, I like to think I'm, I'm super open-minded and I think that, in terms of PSA 10, I think that PSA 10s are, and I'm not knocking them, I, I own a lot of PSA 10s, um, but I do think that PSA 10s are overvalued, and I think that, and I don't want to say they're overvalued, but what I will say is that PSA 9s are undervalued, all right? So I think that PSA 9s are definitely undervalued. So um, I think that, and, and I'll use a couple examples, so if if you're looking at the 2003 LeBron James Bowman Chrome rookie, right? Just the base, the Bowman Chrome rookie base. All right. If you are looking up, beautiful, and you're pulling that up right now. So first of all, let me just start by saying this. I mean, LeBron is just, his prices have continued to just go down over the last three months, six months. It's been crazy. It's been like free fall. I mean, personally, I'm, I'm buying the dip personally, but, um, so I'm looking at right now, the PSA nine, right? And the PSA nine is going for what? 949. Yeah, 950. 950. So the PSA 9 is going for 950. Population and, of uh, 1,124. The PSA 10 has a population of 519. And the PSA 10 is going for 4,500, almost 4,600. So you are looking at almost 5, that is 5X. You're looking at 5X arguably. Okay, 5x for the difference between a PSA 9 and a PSA 10. And when it comes to that, I think we've all probably come across the videos or heard about the videos that people have done on trying to spot the differences between a PSA 9 and a PSA 10. I mean, they've put them under under AI technology, right? They're putting them under scanners. They're looking at literally every corner, every dimple in the card. And a lot of times you cannot tell the difference between a nine and a 10. And here's my thing. Okay. 
I would much rather buy five LeBron base PSA nines than own a single PSA 10. Okay. Because what you're doing right there and what we're all doing in reality, we're buying the case. It's almost like we're not even buying the card. We are buying the case. We're buying the label. And to me, that's insane. Especially when, if you were to lay out nines and tens for a lot of cases, we couldn't tell the difference. I'm not saying in all cases, but in some cases we could not spot the 10 and spot the nine. So if we ever do reach a point where either PSA's reputation or PSA's value goes down or there's ever anything where it's like, you know what? We look at this as the junk slab, the junk slab era. And they're like, listen, we put, they put weight, you know, 2015 to 2021, they put so much of a premium on these freaking labels and cases that it's nuts. So if ever stuff like that happens, I don't want to get stuck holding a bunch of PSA 10 labels. I just think that I would much rather own a bunch of PSA nines. So I think it's because it's hard to tell the difference between PSA nines and PSA tens is why the label matters. And the reason I think that's the case is because we can't, I, I, I don't want to trust myself in telling the difference because if I have to trust myself, there's way too much subjectivity for me to make any decisions. Like it's too many decisions to make in order to spend this much money, if that makes sense. So I'd rather put my trust in this arbitrary, call it grading system, um, than to trust myself because it's not as it's it's not as for sure. And then if I try to go sell that thing, well, guess what? Now, if there was theoretically no grade on it, I'm having to sit here and explain every single flaw slash imperfection to someone trying to buy the card from me. And that makes it really, really complicated. And I do believe the grading system, although flawed in many way, many ways, makes sense to me because we have to put our trust in something when trying to trade assets. Love it. And, and I can't argue with you at all on that. Um, I love the idea of a third party grading. Um, do I think that things have gotten absolutely out of control when it comes to this? Yes. Yeah. Um, however, that I don't disagree with. Like if you tell me you have five PSA nines instead of one PSA 10, I get it. Would I still argue for the PSA 10 right now because less is more to me? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I I still probably think I want the PSA 10, even though your argument is entirely right. The population on this card isn't super low, and that does matter to me. So like population on a card matters. And if it's a low pop PSA 10, give me the PSA 9 all day. And that's where like buying the like the I'll, I'll bring up like the scoring kings, for example, the 1992 score Michael Jordan scoring kings. The PSA 10 of that, there's only like I think a hundred of them. Um, and so buying a PSA nine to me makes sense because the PSA 10, there's not a lot of them. The value of the PSA 10 can go up exponentially because it's a low population card as the demand finds it. And therefore the PSA nine follows it. And I'm willing to take that. I don't know where that line gets drawn between a card. There's a hundred of, and there's a card and there's a, a card that there's 500 of like, I don't know where that line in the middle is, but I do think that is also a factor for me. Hmm. Yeah, and 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 listen, all great points. Can you just bring up the uh, Trey Young, the 2018 
silver prism Trey Young rookie. Now, Trey Young, he's absolutely a wild card, but I think arguably, I think most people do agree that this is a guy that can and probably will be one of the few faces of the NBA five to ten years from now. Right. If he continues where he's at, I think he definitely has some um, some Allen Iverson in him. He's got the attitude. He's got the swagger. Um, you know, he's got everything. And and he's got the killer, killer drive. This guy is like ruthless. He is not afraid of the big stage. So we bring up his silver prism. Now, his PSA 10 is PSA 10 prism silver is currently going for what? Uh, about 1175. 1175 right now for his PSA 10 silver prism rookie and has a population of 2139. And by the way, that's probably only going to freaking go up and skyrocket. That's not a low pop card, even though the silver prism is a nice card. It's what I would consider like his tops chrome, like the, like the, the true rookie card, the true rookie card in that way. Um, it's not a low population. Two thousand one hundred and thirty-nine is 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 up there, you know. For for a silver, yeah. Okay, yeah. now can you tell me what a PSA nine of the same card goes for? Two fifty. Two fifty. So a population of two thousand one hundred and forty of those cards. Okay. Yep. So you are looking at at just about the same, right? What what was the first one going for? Uh, Eleven seventy-five. Yeah. So about twenty-five to thirty percent of the PSA ten. Okay. Yep. So so. Same example as the LeBron. Now, I personally would rather have five silver Trey Youngs than PSA 9s than a single PSA 10. And I tell you where this kind of argument kind of comes into place is, and it's not a practice that I've ever really jumped into but people cracking out their cards and resubmitting them to companies either either a the same company or b to a different competing company and trying to go for that 10 so think about it like this if i were to get five tray silver psa nines i get five of them right what do you think the chances that i could get maybe um a bgs 9.5 or a bgs 10 or a PSA 10 when resubmitting. I would probably say there's a good chance I can get two. I don't know what your thoughts are. I think I yeah. could probably get two. That's this if is... I want to play that game. That's almost like the same game as sending in tens or sending in a huge order and praying for tens. It's almost like playing the same game. So this is the argument for me for PSA nines is that they followed the trajectory for the tens. And so why not be in at a lower cost basis? Right is the idea that when the PSA 10 peaks, the way it did in December uh, and January of 2021, where it went from, you know, $2,500 to $3,500, the PSA 9 went from $762 to uh, $1,225. So the jump, if anything, is a little bit more, if not the same with the PSA 9. And so why not be in at a lower cost basis? Mm-hmm. That to me like makes a lot of sense, and I I do like the idea of being in a little bit less on equity uh, or, or, or cost basis into the card, and still taking advantage of a lot of the same benefits that comes with Trey Young performing well on the court. Yeah. Now 
where I think the real value comes in and where I think is really interesting is gem mint to gem mint cards. BGS 9.5 gem mint cards to PSA 10 cards. And this is a conversation that has been around the hobby for a long time now over the last couple of years. Is should the difference between BGS 9.5s um, be as big as it is uh, between that and PSA 10s when they're both considered gem mint cards? So... <clears throat> For me, the way and and BGS nine fives. Let's go into it really quickly. Let's let's paint the picture of what a BGS nine five really is, because the subgrades on BGS nine fives do make it a little bit more complicated and a little bit tougher. Which is why I think that so that that grade has has suffered a little bit in terms of a, just a psychology of what people want. Subgrades do make things more complicated, but just to remind everyone, a BGS true gem nine five is one with subgrades of all 9.5s or better. If there's all 9.5s and one 10 or multiple 10s on it, it's a true gem plus or true gem plus plus. And if it's a nine, if it's a, if it's a BGS 9.5 with any of the subgrades being lower than a 9.5, meaning a 9, um, it's considered a mini gem, right? And so that goes into a lot of the BGS 9.5 versus PSA 10 ratio like it's a lot closer for nine fives that are true gems versus psa tens but i do think that's where the real opportunity is if you're looking at graded cards is picking up true gem bgs nine five graded cards versus psa tens and i remember you talking about that on one of your episodes when you went to the dallas show because you were looking for the lebron um yeah. uh, was it the short print yeah the i was looking at the tops first edition Tops first edition, yep, and yep. and you were saying that you were looking for the BGS nine five versus the PSA ten because the PSA ten was what around like twenty grand. The and PSA the B- ten was going between sixteen and eighteen thousand, and the BGS nine five, uh, even true gems were going for around the the mini gem nine fives were going for around ten thousand. Um, so if I could pick up a true gem for ten thousand. I was like, okay, that's a good deal. And I was trying to trade up into it, so it was really hard to get done, and it it didn't end up happening for me. But that was the thought process. Like, if I can get a true gem at the same price as a uh, gem mint or a mini gem card, and that's $8,000 cheaper than a PSA 10, roughly, you know, 55% of that PSA 10, cool. Like, I'll take that value, you know? That sounds good to me. And I think, you know, I think sometimes listeners will be like, well, we all want to trade up. Why would someone want to trade down? Of course, no one would want to trade down with you. But you'd be surprised when you're talking about these big cards, these five-figure cards. Um, they're really hard to move. Even for high-end yeah. dealers that deal with only high-end cards, they're more likely to make that 18 grand or that 10 grand that you're talking about. They're more likely to make that 10 grand by taking Amil's five $2,000 yeah. cards. Way easier to move. There's an entirely different market for cards under $500. Entirely different mark card from like 500 to 2,000. Different card from t- different market from 2,000 to 5,000, and then 5,000 and up. I would call high end, but those are different stratospheres, and they are different markets, and there are different buyers in each of those markets. So it is important to note. Yeah, and and definitely, and I, I tell you, it's uh, and. It, it takes some work working up into that kind of stratosphere because, you know, I've in the last few months been able to acquire a handful of, uh, you know, cards that are in that 
thousand to five thousand range, you know, and then finally I've just been able to crack in that over five thousand, you know, range, which is, you know, an awesome, awesome kind of category to be in is, is is having those kinds of cards because once you are able to, it's just like anything, right? It's like once you're able to accumulate five to ten three thousand dollar cards, now you're able to kind of turn those into a few maybe $10,000 cards. And then once you get those $10,000 cards, you might be flirting with that $30,000 card category. And once you're flirting with that 30,000, it just goes up to that. Now you're talking six figures. That's how you move your way up into a hundred thousand dollar RPA possibly. And that, you know, so it's, it is those kind of baby steps, but it's definitely doable. No one starts out with hundred thousand dollar cards. No one starts out with thousand dollar cards. Yeah. 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 You definitely start. I started with $200 cards. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you start with $5 cards, $10 cards. Let's, before we go, cause I, this conversation has been super awesome. And I think yeah, we, yeah. we're 56 minutes in and I still feel like we're just scratching the surface on this topic, but I want to give the, the, the listeners real value. And, and one thing that I get questions about all the time is what ratios are we using? Like, how do we price this stuff? How do we think about what cards should be worth if the PSA 10 is going for this much? How much should the PSA 9 be going for? <clears throat> how much should the PSA, the BGS 9.5 and the BGS 8 be going for? And it gets really hard with the rarer cards, right? Because there's less comps. Um, but, and it's and this is a touchy subject because it cha- it's different for every card. It's different for every set. But are there ratios that you you kind of keep as rules of thumb for yourself just to get yourself a starting point when you start looking at a, a real big purchase or buy that's a lower grade than a PSA 10. Yeah. And you know, that's a, that's a absolutely great question because when it comes to some of these more rare cards that really don't have comps, um, you know, that's something that you'll run into. So I can remember when I had a gorgeous LeBron refractor, gorgeous refractor, and it was a PSA nine. Cause that's my sweet spot. And, and there were no comps for the PSA nine. So I was, trying to trade it up into a bigger card which i was able to do i was trying to trade up in like a five thousand dollar card and i was able to do that but um i said listen there's no comps on this card he goes well a psa 10 sold for this so basically usually a psa 9 is like two and a half x of a psa 10 that was the math that he gave me it was about two and a half x so a little more than double and I've talked with other guys and they've given different figures, but it seems to kind of be in that kind of category. Although when we just looked up the LeBron and the Trey Young cards, there was a 5X difference. Yeah. So it is kind of difficult to really know what it is and what you're trying to get into. And 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 for me, I know that, when it comes to these rare cards that don't have comps, some all I can say is don't be afraid to overpay sometimes. And I'll speak for myself. Don't be afraid to overpay if it's a card you really, really want that you might not have another chance at. So your thoughts? Yeah, so all good points, all exactly right. Like the, the higher the population of the PSA 10 to me means a much bigger difference between the PSA 9 and the PSA 10. So it, a lot of it is based on population to me. So the lower the population on the PSA 10, the closer the PSA 9 and the BGS 9.5 follow. Um, versus if there's a really high population of the card, the more the PSA 9 and the BGS 9.5 mm. lag behind the PSA 10. 
and and the rules of thumb that I use again, take this with a grain of salt, but I want to I want you to know how I think about this is that a BGS 95 will go for anywhere between 30 and like 55% of a PSA 10, 30% being like the mini gems, right? Like the the 95s that have a 9 subgrade and closer to 50 or 55% being the true gems. That's what I'm seeing a lot in the market right now. And then the PSA 9s compared to the PSA 10s to me run anywhere between like 10% to 30% of the PSA 10. And again, PSA 9, like if it's 10% of the PSA 10, there's probably a lot of population of the PSA 10. There's probably a high graded, a number, a high number of cards graded in a PSA 10. And if it's closer to the 30% range for uh, of the PSA 10, then it's a probably it's lower. There's a lower population of those cards available out there. That's that's the rule of thumb I I, I use. Mm, Again, yeah. different for rare cards, different for vintage cards, different for modern cards, but somewhere where I like to play. Yeah, and and you look at some of these cards, especially the more expensive of, uh, of the arena that you're playing in, the more high end, mid to high end. Even a lot of these mid end cards have very few comps. Some of these yeah. mid end, you start looking at cards that are like over five hundred dollars. Sometimes there's no comps. Yep. You know, and 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 I know, you know, I'll be messaging with people on Instagram. I'll see that they'll post a card. It's like a seven or eight hundred dollar card. And I'll message them and be like, you know, what are you asking or what are the comps? And they're like, there's no comps. And it could be because it's brand new or it could be there's so many factors. It could be that they have a raw one and no raw ones have sold, only graded have sold and vice versa. So then you start talking about what's the difference between raw and graded going for. And uh, but I tell you, I, 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 you know, before we wrap up, I love this episode. I love the talk. And it's, it's so funny how you say you will only buy raw if it's high end. And I will only buy raw if it's a low end. <laughs> it's because, yeah. And I also believe it's a good time to be buying high end right now because we're in kind of a quote unquote bear market right now. So I, I like I like like the opportunity right now to get your hands on cards that are very uh, rare. So if they come up right now, I feel like this is a good time to get them because if the market and when the market hopefully picks back up and there's new entrants in the market, when fanatics or whatever happens and Netflix show comes out, whatever, whenever that ha happens, which we're not trying to time or anything. Um, I do think that it'll be nice to have some of those high end cards right now. So, um, listen, when that show comes out, I, I can already see us having full on episodes just about the show, about our thoughts, about everything <laughs> that we're seeing. And, and here's that. the thing I, I would love to, and, and this could be a future episode. I would love to, there's so much out there that is reality-based TV when it comes to the hobby. There's a lot of stuff out there already that's being filmed that can arguably end up on Netflix one day or be pitched to some sort of um, distribution company, you know? So that would be kind of cool for us to maybe do a little bit of homework and, and watch some stuff and then come back on the bounce and talk about that. Rob, maybe one day we'll have our own reality television show. Listen, shirt is staying on. I'm sorry, Amel. I'm <laughs> sorry. All right. With that, let's let everyone go because I think it's time when we start talking about Rob taking his shirt off again. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened this far into the show. Uh, really appreciate it. This has been a really fun one. Give Rob and I a follow on our social media accounts. You can find me at the Slab Talk. You can find Rob at Sports Card Therapist on Instagram at 
on podcasts. Listen to Rob's podcast, Sports Card Therapist. He's got his own great show as well. Um, and then do click that subscribe button on each of our YouTube channels. Really appreciate it. Rob, have a good night, bud. Thank you.